Reboot completed. Activating phylactery protocol. Welcome to uh, the <laughs> Warped and Sundered podcast, episode zero. I'm your host, Jared Lordison, and I recorded this once already, but I'm going to retry it again because I was all over with my notes. I'm going to just be plain and simple, not say too much because uh, I don't want to reveal anything. But I do just want to talk about my session that I did. It's not going to be a long podcast or type thing. It's going to be an episode zero. The sessions are going to be the long parts of this. So yeah, I hope you guys like that little intro. Yes, it it technically is kind of a part of the story. It's not a big thing. Uh, it's just a cute little thing that I wanted to work in. That could also be a part of my story and everything else. Let's talk characters. Uh, actually, well, I should name the name of the world and stuff like that. The The world of Warped and Sundered is my own machination. I made the whole setting. It has guns. It has a whole bunch of other stuff. It's got custom races. It's got a lot of things. And as a first-time D&D, as a DM, uh, it's kind of terrifying. But, hey, we're here playing, playing the game of D- Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but in our first session, we find ourselves inside of the Candlewick Tavern. The Candlewick is my little f- creation. It is ran by a guy called uh, Barry. And he's kind of got like a gruff voice. He goes like, hey, let me, let me top in the character. And he just goes, all right, I got a job for you. All right, guys, I got a job for you, but you got to pay attention. All right, come here. I got a job. It's gonna be difficult. It kind of like that. I, 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 he's got a, some accent. I don't know. It, I just kind of slipped into that voice when I first hit him. And I, I love him. He's a cute little character. And I hope that I get to play him more for them. Because I love doing character voices. Although he is a pain in my throat. <laughs> Okay, so the Barry is going around serving drinks. Dave's or everyone's kind of in there. There's Dave, Sayori, Alamu, Thrizzy, and Quid. And <laughs> I am missing people, and I definitely know that. Give me one second. We are doing this on the website Roll20, uh, which is great. We actually, 
so how many players we got? We got one, two, three, four, five, six. We have seven people. Guys? Guys. I am a brand new DM. This is seven people. All of my friends wanted to play D&D. And I had to DM 20 people for my first session. I don't think you guys realize how frightening it is to DM people. But it's frightening. Uh, I'm going to go to my set little settings over here. So, okay. Let's start going down the list with names and everybody. Our first character that we're going to introduce is actually one of my friends, Jaden. Uh, you might hear me call him Jaden on the thing. I, I mean, his name is just... He likes going by Sayori, so if you guys want to call him Sayori, that's also his character name, so just call him that. Sayori is a ranger with a couple of custom rules, because rangers are not the funnest things known to man. He's a beast master ranger. Uh, he's got a bow. He's got hunter's mark and everything. We're changing we, we're changing up ranger to be fun. We're homebrewing this shit. This is a whole homebrew campaign, so sorry if we're not playing playing to the rules exactly, but I can do what I want. I'm the DM. Uh, he is a normal high elf. He's got the full hero background. He's chaotic good. He is... He's got 24 hit points. He, he's a cool character. I like him. His whole thing is that he's like a... He used to work for the guard. He actually helped found the city. Or at least was a... Let me, let me rephrase that. Because that sounds like he was more important than that than he was. He is a friend of the king's. Uh, he was also... Why is music playing? What the fuck? Uh, music just started playing for some reason from... So, uh, I'm using my brother's account to run this through Roll20. And he has a lot of music on. And I'm using a new browser again. And so it just didn't remember any of my settings. Um, what was... Oh, yeah. Uh, so he... Sayori was in the Storm Wars... The Storm Wars was a great event that basically shaped all the continents as we know it to where all the factions are today. They were fighting in a sheld, which is the main continent, around the Limerick, the main city. Limerick is the main city, and that's where everybody, you know, just kind of stays and takes care of everything. He was a... I mean, he was a guard. It wasn't really a guard. How do I phrase this? He was a captain, a lower-ranking captain that was fighting with the king around that time. And he, during the battle, he actually worked very close. For some reason, the, the king really liked his fighting style and how he went, and so he worked very closely with him. He didn't... He... The, Sayori is more of a very good friend of him, but his vice is what is what led to him not getting any higher positions in the guard. Although the king will look at him with a hearty smile and speak very highly of him. His whole thing is that he has the vices of the city. He really wanted that to be a part of his thing. He loves drinking. He loves prostitutes, you know. It's like that whole thing. He, and he, some of you might... Some of you knows D&D knows that... Uh, Beastmasters get companions. 
we actually gave him a souped-up companion that my brother homebrewed together. It is a deer called McBuckington. McBuckington is a person that he's going to be able to command on his turns without... So, we made it to where the deer can actually move on there on his turn but without him having to use an action just like he basically gets to control the deer on his turn as the deer is basically his own thing i think it's more fun that way if you guys want to debate me in the comments go ahead i just like it this way because i don't think the rangers are the best things in the world but he really wanted to play ranger and i'm not going to tell my care i'm not going to tell my players no you know uh, but Mick Buckington is a badass, like, war deer. Uh, we gave him a charge ability that allows him to gore opponents and also bite opponents. He's pretty cool. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the biggest amount of hit points. But he is going I think we're going to give him some upgrades if he stay. I, I think he's going to stick with Mick Buckington. We're just going to have to think of our own thing for him. Um, now we're going, uh, to a character that actually doesn't have a backstory yet, which I actually kind of like for what he is. Uh, it is, this character is played by my friend Jackson. I'm not sure if they want to go by that. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if they want me to say their last name, but we're just going to call them Jackson for now. They play Tump. Tump is adorable. I don't have any backstory for him yet. Uh... Or at least some that I wouldn't say to you guys. Tump is a cir Circle of the Oak Druid. And he is one of our first Mushroom Folk. And he is fucking adorable. He's We're playing him to where he is actually... He's in the small range of height. Like, he is a very small creature. But we're not saying... Here's the thing. He wanted him to be super small. For gameplay reasons, we're just having him move around at the same speed as everyone else. We're just saying that he's like a super small little guy. Uh, he's so small, in fact, that we just have him on head of our other mushroom folk that I will introduce in five seconds. Uh, but we we love him. He's just like a, a circle, of, uh, circle of oak druid. And, oh, by the way, everybody starts at level 3. I'm not going to say everybody's abilities, but uh, he is so fucking adorable. He doesn't speak. He also doesn't speak, but he just gives everyone acorns. Like, Barry was at, at the bar, and he was just like, Hey, get a babe for that drink, little guy. And he just comes up and gives him a fucking two little acorns, and he's just like, Oh, I can't stay mad at you. You're such a cute little guy. <laughs> I love Tump. Uh, Jackson, you did a fucking amazing job uh, making that character. Uh, also you, Jane, or uh, Sayori. I, I love that character. Tump is amazing. Uh, time for Emi Hazuzumi. Uh, made by my friend Alejandro, otherwise known as Nebi. He does his own like 3D modeling online. If you want to follow him on Instagram or in stuff, I'll probably find it and put it down below. Or at least in the comments. He is a Paladin Oath of Glory uh, Kitsune. Which is a custom race that I think is in other books. But we homebrewed a Kitsune race for this. He, I think he stole it from a different book. But it's a Kitsune and his sub race is Yakko. 
I went through. It doesn't sound that bad. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. His fucking... It's Kutsune shit. I, I find it cool. Also, seeing a paladin as Kutsune is weird, but I, I like it. He We haven't gone over his backstory. I'm going to be going over there with that him soon. Hopefully. Hopefully soon. Uh, but he was also really fun. We're going over the characters right now. I'll explain the actual what happens in the story right after this. Just for anybody who's like, get on with it. Uh, okay. I don't think I can talk a lot about this character. Um, this is played by Liam. And he he is Dave. If you ever seen Smiling Friends, uh, you, the Dave Land guy, he basically looks like that. <laughs> we actually have that as his profile picture. Uh, Dave is played... Originally, Dave was actually going to be a frog with a little hat on. But then we decided to just go the normal route and I didn't even say to go the normal route uh he just kind of did that to himself but it's so funny because he just plays Dave as like he's staring off into space or like staring down somebody not blinking which is such a Liam thing to do Liam I mean excuse me Dave is a wild magic sorcerer level three he's a standard human who is chaotic good uh, and his background is criminal. <laughs> Which is... Hmm. Great. I have set up backstory. Uh, and he does have a... He does have a watch on him. Which is a literal Nokia watch. Uh, which... Is definitely not just a joke. And is a part of the story. You'll see, you'll see what you'll come around and be like, oh, Jared, what about that watch? And I'll be like, oh, don't you remember? And you'll see it in the story. You, you'll figure out that why it is. <laughs> you'll see. You think I'm joking, don't you? Nah, okay, we'll see about that. I don't fucking know. Uh, Dave is pretty cool. He's just a wild magic sorcerer. He's really funny. He... Comes from the different continent of uh, Bulumph. Bulumph uh, is where he lived. After a couple things, he moved over to a shelt. And now he's trying to just... He wasn't even trying to take this job. He was just there eating, like, cheesy bread, I think. Is what he said. And he ate so much that the tavern keeper was like, Hey, can you, uh... Listen, I'll let you have some more bread, but if... Can you do a job for me? And he said yes. Now, one of my favorite fun... This is... Sammy did an amazing job on this character. Sammy, otherwise known as Zeker, uh, is a character in my game, and he... Not a character in my game, excuse me. He is a person. Zeker is his nickname. Sammy is his name. Uh, he made the character Alamu Ferguson, which is an inquisitive rogue, level 3, He's a raven folk and lawful neutral, and he's got the investigator background. Uh, I want you to think Bird Columbo. And that's this bird. He is a raven folk, which is really cool. They can actually fly, which I did not know before I started playing. 
And I should have looked into that because I th- these guys are either I don't think they're in official books. I think they're from like a uh, uh, the Midgard Heroes Handbook. Uh, that a it's a book that my brother has. Man, I'm looking at his stats right now. He has a fucking 19 in dexterity. God damn. Holy shit. Holy shit, that is... He already has a 9 in dex. Yeah, that's... He does, bro, his investigation's not even that good. Uh, he needs to up his intelligence. Is fucking... Yeah, investigation is intelligence. Wow. Okay, so his background's cool. He works with the city, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, there is... If you watch the first episode... Oh, wait, it's not going to be in that side of the episode. Oh, you'll never fucking know what he's doing then. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he's up to. Alamu is a very suspicious person. I mean, he's all about solving shit and getting down to brass tacks for the city. He works for the city. Um, and he's more of a detective that gets shit done. Uh, he's very good at his job. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. There's a lot more that I do want to say. But uh, Sammy knows, and I know. And you'll figure it out when you watch the rest of this show. Quid! Quid is by my one of my best friends, Matt, otherwise known as Fatty Matthew on twitch.tv slash Fatty Matthew. Uh, we might stream this at some point, so if you guys want to give a follow to my Twitch channel, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Quid is our little other mushroom folk. He's got a big mushroom cap on. I love him. He is my favorite. He's not, like, like my favorite favorite. All these guys are really good, but... He, his whole story is that, I mean, he's a far traveler. He was exiled from Bolumph. That's all I'm going to say about that because we, I think there is more to his story, but I am just going to that. He is an egghead. He wants everyone to think that, his whole thing is that he wants everyone to think that he's a god. And he's a bard, by the way. So, egocentric bard? Yeah. Uh, but he also doesn't seem to be... He doesn't seem to be playing him in, like, a destructive way. He seems to be playing him as using the team to get his things done, which I'm glad. Um, but he also seems to be just having fun with it, which I'm very happy about. He is a mushroom folk. <clears throat> he is a mushroom folk that... What is his subrace? He's a mushroom folk favored... Which means he also gets some spells for free that uses his uh, charisma skill modifier, which is really fun. I believe he gets healing word or some shit. I don't fucking remember. He's got a whole bunch of different spells to just command people, which is really funny because that, that's the thing that he wants to do. I think he's one of the most well-written characters that like sticks to their like shtick. I think Matt did a really good job of converting what he would 
Matt did a great job of converting his, what he would do with his spells with the character. Like, keeping those two entwined to where it's like, yeah, I could take this spell because it's a good spell. Or I could take the one that would, like, control a whole bunch of people because that's what, exactly what my character would want. Right? Like, if you're making a pi- if you're making, like, a wizard that's all about fire and you take a water spell, I think you're playing it wrong. Right? Like, at least in my opinion, I mean, you can play them wherever the fuck you want, but it doesn't make sense if you have a theme and then you go against said theme, unless you're doing it for a very specific reason. Quid is one of my favorite. He's got the big hat. I think I already said that. Um, yeah, he's cute. I love him. He's another mushroom folk. He's great. All right, so we've gone through Jaden Tump. Emmy, Dave, Alamu, Quid. Uh, and then Thrizzy. Thrizzy is actually played by the person... By the way, all of these players are almost newbies to the game. Except for Thrizzy. Thrizzy is a... Uh, is a old... Is... Thomas runs... Uh, Thomas is in charge of Thrizzy. Thrizzy is a old character. Not an old character? How do I explain this? He knows how to play D&D and he knows how to play it well. And so he's playing Thrizzy, and he's basically the guy that I've basically said, you gotta keep, <laughs> you gotta keep the turd together. You gotta keep your fucking party alive. He's got a lot of shit. He's got a bag of holding already because he's an artificer. I actually was inspired by him to round up my story about the world. And instead of explaining what my story is on this podcast about the rest of the world that I like I was doing in my first recording of this, I'm just going to let you experience it through the podcast, through the story. Because I'm sure they will eventually meet somebody that explains to them how uh, they make their money. So Thrizzy is a goblin artificer, but she is an artificer because she goes around to different cities showing off her gadgets to, like, almost be an entertainer of sort. Uh, I'm not going to go too far into their background story, because that's also something that he wanted done. And I wanted him to be in more control of his character shit. I was kind of hands-on for most people in the first session, and when I went hands-on without thinking about it on his character in the first session, he kind of got a little bit crabby at me. Which I understand, because it's his character, I want him to do what he does, and I completely understand. He's got some really good stats, too. He has an Eldritch Cannon as his thing. He's an Artillerist Artificer, too, I should mention that. His background's Entertainer. And yeah, he's a cool character. Uh, Thrizzy is a great, great, great gal. And she's very fun to watch in game. That is all the people that we have met so far. So let me just quickly go through the small amount of story that we have so far after introducing our seven main characters. After I introduced all those. I already did that. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Alright. Start in the bar. Dave's eating by himself. Uh... Then he eats so much cheesy bread that the guy's like, hey, you're going to fucking pay for that? And Dave's like, huh? And so Dave is like, okay, uh, give me more cheesy bread and I'll do this mission. And so Dave does it. Dave is going on the mission. But then our boy Alamu 
uh, is in the in there, and he hears Dave get said mission. Dave uh, Alamu, for some reason, wants to go on that mission. Alamu comes over uh, to the shopkeeper and he to the tavern keeper and says, "Hey, I won the mission." He's like, all right, well, it's a big mission and a lot of money. Like, there's a big payout for doing this mission in particular. Uh, nobody has questioned why really yet, which, good. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what they do with that. And, I mean, the score of money is what keeping is keeping them on anyway. So Alamu does it without a second thought. The rest of the crew starts showing up. Quid, uh, Quid hears about the job and he wants in because he wants a lot of money. A lot of them have kind of more non-selfish, selfless goals. Uh, Jaden shows up, but he was just there to pound drinks. But then he hears about a job with a shit ton of money. He's like, I could pay for more alcohol. He joins up. Uh, Thrizzy is actually the last one to join in. Because at first they were like, you know, this is going to be a great job. Because they're not speaking about pay at first. They're like, hey, it's going to be a great job. Um, all you have to do is go down to this uh, grotto. Uh, go down to a place that I have almost forgotten the name of. Which I already named. Garbo's Grotto. Uh, and Garbo's Grotto where a raider gang is held up. Where there's raider gangs all over. But for the last couple of years, the Raider gangs have not been attacking or doing anything. So everyone thought that they went clean or something or went underground. So the guard hasn't really touched them. But for some reason, at Garbo's Grotto, uh, the, the fucking people there have started to... have started to kill people, have started to, like, raid different places... And more or less cause a lot of trouble. So that's what they're hired to do. They're hired to go in there and take care of the raider problem. They spend the night... They decide to go at day, so they spend the night at the bar. And some interesting RP stuff happens. Uh, after some fooling around in the bar and them, you know, basically I'm doing little checks to show them how D&D works. Uh, you know, asking them to do different stuff. Uh, as they're sleeping, Alamu gets a vision. Or a as he's sleeping, he gets a memory while looking at a photograph, basically, of his past. He sees his team go down into a mine. Uh, to investigate, and he sees his team being ripped apart in front of him, and then he flashes back. Uh, meanwhile, Dave just walks into Barry's personal cabin right next to the bar, and he just does a really good stealth check and gets into bed with Dave as Barry is almost crying in his sleep. About a woman, Mary. Mary. Dave doesn't know who Mary is, obviously. Uh, and so in the morning, Dave starts walking out. Like, Barry wakes up, sees Dave, and he's just, Get the fuck out of my room now. Uh, 
And as he leaves, he sees portraits all over of Barry with a family. He sees a older woman, and then in the middle of the picture, between the woman and the man, there is a picture of what but Dave can't comprehend it, can't quite see if it's a boy or a girl, but he knows that it is a child sitting in the middle of the portrait, but it, he can't decide if it's a boy or a girl. I made that very apparent for some reason. I don't remember why. I mean, I know why, but I don't know why I made it so apparent in that session. So Dave walks out, and then the last thing to happen at the night is that I know a lot of shit happening. I'm just I'm just doing little things to set up. I promise I won't be throwing this much and such a little time in the future at these guys. It's going to be more sporadic, and hopefully I can do it more in a, not controlled, but in a, just a when I can, when it feels appropriate time. But I did want to, I wanted to bust my, bust their, I wanted to show them that I wasn't fucking around with this campaign, and that I can be a good storyteller. And their reactions when I did these sections, by the way, explaining these, was fucking perfect. So I will take that as a win. Sayori had a vision of the Storm Wars. Uh, I think how I explained it is that. Sayori was, was in the middle of a fight during the Storm Wars. And he was on the battlefield. Cleaving p- through people with his sword. And shooting people with his arrows. And then he reaches the king. The king looks towards him and he says. "Oh, Are you alright? And then as that as he says that, the king takes like an arrow straight into his fucking shoulder. So, uh, Jane comes over and peels the fucking arrow out of his shoulder. And he just, the king looks at him and he says, The king looks at Jane, Sayori, excuse me, and says, Well, Jane was like, are you alright? And the king looks at him as he took out the arrow and he starts trying to like put a pressure on it and he seems to be okay. He's a big guy. But he says, What I do, I do to secure tomorrow. And that's how that that dream ends for him as he wakes up as McBuckington, his deer, uh, has woken him up. I love... See, they already know about the Storm Wars... And they kind of already know that he has worked with the king. That's not a fucking, you know, surprise, surprise to them. Because we kind of talked a little bit about... Jane kind of revealed that part to them a little earlier. That he was a part of the guard. So, you know, just making that apparent. And also, like, I can set more shit up to that. It just builds a relationship between him and the king more. uh, Having a scene like that there for them, or like a flashback there for that, instead of just saying, hey, he worked for the king, I can show him, like, the actual combat they went through in little pieces, which is cool, I like doing it that way, I'm probably not going to be doing, I like the flashback idea, because it's showing, not telling, although, we are doing this through a audio medium, which means, we show, we tell everything. So they start walking over the Garbo's Grotto. There's a split in the road. Uh, 
I think I described the one place. I th- what did I name the other one? The Something's Heel. Oh God, what is the name of that store? The other store was. Hang on, let me ask my players. They're in the Discord call. Uh, I believe we're calling it Barnes and Fabled now. I called it something else before, and uh, Liam gave it a different name on the thing. We're just going to call it Barnes and Fabled. We'll work that out later. That's on the left path. On the right path, it goes down. But on the right path, they see a man hunched over looking across the ground. And that man's name is Archie Salestock. Archie Salestock is a bard, actually. They don't know that until... Like, he actually pulled out his loot and strummed them a chord, saying, you better not disappear from us, because I think I let on the impression that he was a rogue. But no, he took out his thing, and he's just like, well, you'll be able to hear me. I'm Archie Salestock. I, I don't know how I did his voice. I think it was like a high, like, air, high air in your chest. Like, you get it in your chest, and you go up two octaves, and, you know, like that type thing. It's like, Hello there. My name is Archie Salestock. He is Archie Salestock is a let me go over to a sheet. He is a sea elf, which is another custom race. I believe that is from one of these books that I have that Ethan has custom. Uh, they are basically underwater elves that can breathe underwater, but they just love being along the sea. It's a lot of like a tropical vibe to Asheld, the other the other continent is more like war vibe. This one is all about like being tropical almost and raiding. Mind's End is like Indiana Jones mixed with the Adventure Zone type arc where they're collecting artifacts. I'm sorry to just name drop the Adventure Zone, but it is one of my favorite podcasts. Or at least... uh, Okay... I love the first half of the Adventure Zone. Oh God, what is what is is it? Travis's campaign, graduation. The first half of graduation is so well done. I did not like the last half, but I would love to see him DM again at some point. Uh, not there's Clint Travis. What, who is the main fucking guy? Fucking, the, who did the balance arc? Mick. Mick. Mick Elroy. McElroy Brothers. Griffin McElroy. Let me look up all their names now. What is there? There is Travis Griffin, Justin, Travis Griffin. Travis did the graduation. Griffin is the main arc. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I I don't know why I went so in depth on this on here, but I, I can I just say this? I'm gonna say it on here. Very much inspired by Griffin. I think he did one of the best campaigns I've ever seen for a beginner DM do uh, for his family. And he was just trying to have fun while playing D&D. 
And it was such a beautiful campaign. I don't hope to be a game like that, but damn, am I going to just try my best to make this the best thing I can do for my players. But I also wanted to share my story with you guys. You know, just show what I'm working on and really just, you know, get that out there. But my boy here is crawling on the ground, Archie Salestock. He's crawling all over and he is searching for something. Our boy with the inquisitive skills, Alamu Ferguson, actually found the chip on the ground. I found a chip on the ground. Excuse me, not the chip. I mean, it is the chip, but nobody knows what the chip does. And as he was walking over, some people did investigation chip checks. Um, so how I'm doing my investigation checks and everything is that uh, you get more information the higher success it is. If you land a crit success, you're getting a shit ton of information. Uh, I will actually give you a thing of this. I actually was going to mention this. In the bar, before we got to this point, they did a check on... They did a check on the berry actually putting a magical looking rock or a device into a heater that then powered it. A lot of them did arcana checks and what they actually found out, what they knew was arcana, these checks, these like magical rocks are basically batteries that are found underground. They're actually made from... Uh, two of them landed six, like crit successes, which was really weird. And those two actually learned that... Uh, sl slimes... They learned actually how they're made. The slimes actually... W that hold electricity like underground, that hold like different energies underground. Arcana energy is what we shall call it. Uh, when they hold this energy and then just die underground their bodies will harden. This actually was an idea taken from my brother's campaign, Ethan Lordison. Uh, he helped a lot in this campaign. He actually has this in his campaigns. He made this custom. Uh, these crystals can be used to power different devices, almost like batteries, and can actually be recharged if, like, using... So I was thinking is that these can be recharged if they're left out in the sun for like a couple days. Like it's not fast to recharge them. But having a renewable source of power. Allows for there to be a lot stronger shit. I can do in this universe. Which is kind of cool. So the battery. I, I believe I'm going to call them like soul stone batteries. Or whatever my brother wants to call them. He's not here. I just tried calling for him. Uh, but back to the road, they were doing arcana checks on it. Uh, Archie, when, when he was questioned about the chip, he was like, oh, it's a arcane booster for the technologies. Almost all of them saw through that lie, except for Thrizzy. Thrizzy literally thought it was. Um, sorry, I got a league of hiccups. So every time you hear me say, um, I'm about to vomit. So, Thrizzy doesn't know. Everyone's doing Arcana checks. One of them actually lands a success in Arcana. Some of them do investigation checks instead. I let them take, you know, vice versa. One of them is just like, hey, it's a... It's just a chip. 
And then others see actually little symbols on it that look almost magical on the chip itself. Archie is then given the chip by Alamu, and then he slots it into a big metal case. Well, I don't think I say metal, I think I say metallic. So if you guys are watching, you now know it's metal, which kind of defeats my purpose of saying it was just metallic before. He slots into a big metal briefcase, but they don't know what type of metal it is, nor did none of them try to check what it was. And when they's, they're like thinking it's magical, they, he slots into the case, they hear a ka-chunk when the case closes, which is weird. And then he slots it, Archie picks it up, and as he was about to put it in his bag, they start questioning him. They actually look on his shoulder and see that there's a symbol for a raider gang on his shoulder. Uh, but I think Tump did a move where he used Sense Magic or something. I forget what spell it is. But he used this spell that allowed him to see the types of magic. Because everyone was like really worried about the chip. Or what type of chip and what it did actually. But when he looked at the case before he put it into his backpack... He actually saw that the case had zero magic to it. Which was weird because everything has like a little bit of magic to it in this world. Because of what happened during the Storm Wars, like everyone has a little bit of magic that makes them special technically in this universe, right? But like the Storm Wars really just threw that magic into everyone and anybody who wasn't magical has a little bit of magic. It's just everyone does. Now, for something to have no magic is weird. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So after figuring out that that doesn't have any magic, uh, Archie actually takes the suitcase, or, ooh, not suitcase, excuse me, the little case that it's in. It's not really that little. It... You know, now that I think about it, it's basically like a suitcase. Uh, it looks almost exactly like a suitcase. And he slaps it, that big metal case actually into his bag. His, like, backpack he has behind him, which actually looks smaller. And it just goes flying into his bag. With And the bag looks like it didn't move at all when it puts inside. So, and if you guys are like, oh, why is he saying it like that? It's because literally all of them kept rolling perception checks and shit. For, like, different shit about... Oh, God. I just, like, turned down my mic. Sorry about that. I shouldn't be fucking with that during recording. I didn't mean to click it. Uh, but during the whole thing, he fucking... Uh, oh, God. Thomas was like, hey, Jared. Can I throw my bag of holding into his bag... Thomas metagamed the fuck out of it and just or knew that it, he had a bag of holding inside of his backpack. So he was he wasn't really I was like, I oh, know you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> it was fun to see. It was it was it was fun to see him like call it. So they see that Archie has a tattoo, they call him out for being a part of the Raiders. Archie's actually the boss of the Raider gang. Uh, I believe... I What did I call it? The Crimson Skies? Archie's a part of the Crimson Skies that has... 
it's a sword. I remember exactly what the tattoo is. It's a sword tattoo with at the end of it, at the end of the blade on the tip, there is blood, but the blood is in the shape of a heart. And this Raider gang used to be notorious, but what happened over time is that when Archie actually took over from his dad, he actually made it into a almost business empire by selling, uh, which is not illegal, selling goods that they find underground in different grottos over to the other continent, Bolum, for the war efforts over there. Now, there is different things where you probably shouldn't get on the bad side of the king by selling to different factions over there than what the continent should support. So, I, I guess that's the real biggest thing for what they are. But the king does believe in personal freedoms and shit, so we'll see if, like, that gets pressed in the future. But Archie is actually coming to here to investigate why this raider faction of raider it's they're part of the same faction as archie archie's in charge of everything but like this raider faction archie owns they still call themselves a raider faction because that's their grassroots but they're not they're like a business empire now they don't fuck with raiding they actually own the mines that they go into so they're more of like a mining company, but they're not even miners. They kind of just spelunk the mines and pick up the metals and stuff that are just strewn about everywhere. Which is really weird to see. Gonna be honest, just had a conversation with my brother for like 30 minutes about the powered crystals. Uh, I believe he calls them thunder crystals, which he actually has a better version of them uh, actually available... In his game, so I was talking to him about that. So, okay, so the mission, the, let me just finish up and talk about what the mission actually was. The mission, you know, blah, 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 go take care of that. They're, they are working with Archie Salestalker now. Salestalk, excuse me. Uh, and for some reason, their attack, raider groups are attacking. They don't, Archie does not know why. And they were about to, to enter Garbo's Grotto before the session ended. Garbo's Grotto is a huge mine that is filled with different antiquities that they're just going to have to figure out what is up. And this is where the fighting begins. And I get to introduce more enemies and what the whole campaign's going to be like. Because I don't think they're ready for what I'm about to throw at him. Because this is going to set up... For anybody who wants a little hint, it's almost going to be like a Monster of the Week type deal. But instead of... It's not going to be every session they go through one. It's going to be multiple sessions figuring out how to get to them, figuring out how to disarm them, blah, blah, blah. Alright. That... I think you're caught up. I know this is a little all over the place, but it's way better than my first recording. If you guys want to watch the first episode, I'm going to be putting that uh, the actual second episode of the campaign. Uh, that is going to be the follow-up to this one. So, the actual podcast progression, this is episode zero. Matt uploaded the video, uh, the first video of his point of view of the session to 
the to the Google Drive, which is really good. I'm going to download that. I'm going to get that that video so I can actually upload it and make it a video. You guys should be able to... I'm going to post that as episode one. And yeah, I hope you guys... I'm going to be doing these as like... Warped and Sundered Dev Notes type thing. I'm not sure if I should call it Dev Notes. Or if I should be like... Dungeon Master's Quarry or something like that. Well, I'll think of a good name. Anyways, thank you guys for watching the first or episode zero of Warped and Sundered, the video series uh, podcast type dealio. I don't know what we're really making it here. If you guys want to support me, hit that subscribe. Support me by hitting the like. And if you guys like my story of Warped and Sundered, uh, thank you. My name is Jelksies, and welcome to the world of Warped and Sundered. Bye-bye.